Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yeah, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com. And across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, it is The Michael Duke Show, hump day edition of The Michael Duke Show. Middle of the week, the hump of the, you know, you know how that works, right? That's, that's how it works. That's how it works. Happy birthday to Jerrica, who uh, is in the chat room today. 32 trips around the sun today, she says, so happy birthday to you here on the program. Uh, good morning and welcome to it. Uh, Wednesday, what we like to call surprise. It's surprise Wednesday today. Now, normally uh, on Wednesdays, uh, generally speaking, we have um, uh, Mike Shower come in for our second hour to perform what we like to call the Shower Hour of Power. And uh, that's normally uh, our normal thing. Unfortunately, Mike uh, is uh, a little bit uh, under the weather today, and we've got a lucky fill-in guest for us today. Uh, Kevin McCabe will be uh, taking will be taking over the airwaves starting in hour two today. He'll be joining us and uh, and getting uh, uh, deep into the queue, so to speak, here. And we'll be talking with him for an hour or so about all the latest stuff that's going going on here in the state of Alaska, some of the latest and greatest stuff that's coming in through the legislature. And we will be uh, <clears throat> we will be talking with him in hour two today. Uh, that leaves hour one open for discussion and commentary and talk and gasp phone calls. That's right. I'm opening up the phone lines. Um, well, I'm opening them up right now. The phone lines, in fact, are open as we speak. I know it's so, it's so, Wow, so groundbreaking. So groundbreaking. Uh, phone lines are open at 907-433-3150, which reminds us, of course, that Satellite West is the sponsor of the program uh, and this hour of the show uh, today and uh, pretty much every day. Uh, it doesn't matter <clears throat> where you are, from Chickaloon to Chicken, from Chattanooga to... Um, Another place in Alaska that begins with CH, uh, wherever it is, it, uh, China, from China to Chattanooga, uh, you've got, uh, you've got to, uh, a friend in, indeed in uh, satellite West where they will find you the way to stay connected, whether it is via, you know, emails or text messages, uh, whether it's a phone call or just giving you the ability to surf the internet, that's what they do. So go over and check them out at SatelliteWest.com and, of course, find out where all their local dealers are. You can find that listing 
at SatelliteWest.com and see all the solutions that you may have uh, at your fingertips for being anywhere in the state of Alaska, staying connected anytime. Special thanks to them for sponsoring the show across the state here uh, on the program. But the phone lines, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. Just throw that out there and go, go off with you. Fly, be free. We will talk about anything you want to talk about this morning, and uh, we will, uh, we'll, we're, we're ready to go. Let's uh, let's dive into it and see what you have to say about almost anything. Um, <clears throat> it's good. Yeah, daylight's also stretching out. Um, somebody also mentioned twelve, almost twelve hours of daylight this week. We're on the uphill. We're on the uphill side. We can make it. We can see it from here. Yeah, <clears throat> you guys are. Yeah, and they're all. They're now. They're all throwing ch names at me in the chat room. Chitna, Chignik, Chickaloon. I mean, you're right. China, Chitna. I, I've got it all. I've got it all. Chatnika. Um, I, I swear to God, I'm going to do the Steve Agbaba thing one day and do the whole 119 cities or communities in Alaska. It's there. I'm going to have a cheat sheet here in the studio just to be able to just to be able to pull that off one day. We're just gonna we're just gonna run it out there, from Umiak to Uktavik, from Adak to Anderson. I mean, we're gonna find we're gonna we're gonna get all those different con, you know because it's fun. Um, uh, I know all the things. Uh, all right. Um, so uh, where do we start before you know we got our guest coming up in hour two? Uh, Kevin McKay will be joining us. But where are we going in the meanwhile? What do we have to cover? Well. Hello, hello, Virginia. I've got some. Uh, I've got some stories here for you. I've got some stories and things to talk about. Um, but this education thing, man, it it continues to heat up. The education thing continues to be a uh, a problem, uh, and I got to tell you, it is. Um, it's interesting the different takes <clears throat> on this story from around the uh, from around the state. Remember how uh, they said uh, the uh, uh, the Senate majority coalition majority said that they're they that they vowed to steer away from divisive social issues, and yet the first thing that happens, of course, is that Gary Stevens puts out you know the vaping bill and some of these other things. Uh, well, I mean, it, it, that excuse only works when it's something that they feel is divisive. If anybody else feels it's divisive, well, sucks to be you. Uh, well, the governor yesterday put out a new education bill. Uh, he proposed a new education-focused legislation. Uh, now, uh, this story was written up at a couple different, um, a couple different outlets, and it is super interesting to see the differences in how the story is written up. Um, but let me give you some of the details uh, about what, uh, you know, about what, what this whole thing looks like. What is the, what is the look of this whole situation? Uh, so he announced the education focused legislation yesterday in a press conference. 
And the new bill is called the Teacher Retention and Recruitment Incentive Bill. And it offers some um, pretty juicy cash payments to teachers to uh, to try and uh, retain and to keep, uh, to hire and to keep, hire and retain, I guess it's retain and keep are the same thing, to hire and to, re- uh, and to retain qualified and high-performing teachers and keep them in the Alaska classrooms. It's got a tier-based system on it. The increments range from $5,000 to $15,000. The tier-based system would determine how much cash a teacher would get, prioritizing rural and remote villages by offering them the higher payouts. Uh, The highest tier payments are directed to Alaska's remote and rural schools, according to the press release. That's the $15,000 tier. The $10,000 tier is targeted towards rural schools that, despite their remoteness, are sufficiently linked to the urban networks to allow more regular access to goods and services. That's kind of the medium range. And the $5,000 tier is focused on incentivizing teachers in Alaska's most urbanized area. Uh, So there's actually two bills here. So I want to talk about that one first. Interestingly, the the teacher hiring and and retention bonuses was commented on by Calvin Schrege, uh, who is the minority leader. Now, uh, again, full disclosure, I've been trying to get Calvin on the program. He tried to call in last week when we had a guest on. He he had sent me an email. I didn't realize that when I told him, Calvin, please send me an email and we'll schedule it. Anyway, because I, I missed his email to begin with. I've sent him, since sent him an email, a couple emails, asking him to get back with me because I want to talk about some of these things with him. Um, so, <clears throat> fingers crossed, we can get Calvin Schrege on the program to discuss this. But um, his comment on the hiring and retention bill uh, was that uh, the teacher hiring and retention bonuses are a positive complement to a BSA increase in restoring defined benefits. The House Coalition is looking forward to working with the administration to tackle all three items this year. It's definitely not going to be an either-or thing. They want it all. That's what they, they want it all. Every bit of it. Um, the second bill that was announced was the Parental Rights Bill codifying the rights of parents to receive information about their children's or from their children's school, not about their children's school, but from their children's school, which I find even the description makes me just go, whoa, I mean, I have to codify the fact that I, if I want information about my children, I have to beg the government's permission to do so. I mean, what? The parental rights bill, according to the governor, will allow parents to be informed about complicated topics taught in the classroom, such as sex education. It also aims to reduce barriers preventing parents from accessing some student records. And now essentially allowing them to know what's going on with their kids. Um, When asked how the bill compared to the Florida's known, uh, the Florida bill, which is colloquially known as Don't Say Gay, 
Governor Dunleavy said the two pieces of legislation were different. Uh, a Florida bill, a Florida approach, for example, may prohibit certain things from being taught in the classrooms, regardless of what parents want. What we're saying here is, is a different approach. We believe in local control, but we believe in parental control. So nobody knows their kids better than a parent. As a parent of three, I can tell you, I know my girls better than anyone else. And so any idea that this is a don't say gay bill or that uh, this is anti-anything, it's not. It's pro-parent. Of course, the uh, LGBTQ uh, crowd came out uh, and said that this is uh, the worst thing since, I don't know, name something bad, Hitler. I don't know. It's, it's the worst thing ever. I think we're moving backwards, said uh, Vincent Fueles from Identity Alaska. I think we're moving backwards. It takes away from the progress that trans youth have made and that transgender community has made, but it also takes away from the cisgendered community, which is what people don't understand, which I still don't understand after reading his explanation. I mean, the fact that you would think that any parent should be cut out of the loop in these life-altering decisions, whether the parents agree or not, the fact that you would think that any parent should be cut out of the loop on something like this is mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. So, um, anyway, we can get down into a little bit more of this and talk more about this. But let's let's go to the phone since we've got phone lines uh, calls going on and I'm coming up on the break. I want to get to it real quick. Let's find out what's going on. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello? Oh, that would probably help, caller, if I actually unmuted you. That's me. Not enough coffee this morning. Let's try that again. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Bonnie in North Pole. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, Bonnie. What's on your mind? Well, I can't help it. I have to say my opinion. The LGP elemental P, whoever they are, they like to groom the young people. That's the latest thing here in Alaska and lower 48. Groom the young people to think that they should have a sex change. There's something wrong with them. I've noticed, and many people that I know in my life, um, because their youngsters have been groomed by the elemental PPQ people, to change your gender, honey, because there's something wrong with you. You should be different. There has to be a sickness now going on where young people are, and doctors are performing sex change on children. It's a sickness. It's very sad. I pray every day that this will go away. It's like a sickness that I, I just don't understand. How do you feel about it? Well, I mean, I will agree that I think that changing, you know, having kids who are still forming opinions and thoughts and ideas and are still growing and don't have the ideas of the long-term consequences of their actions, who are already confused by many things, including adolescence and everything else, to offer them this as the solution. Well, you don't feel right. Well, of course, none of us felt right when we were kids. You know, we were always learning and doing new experiences. But to offer them the idea that somehow the way to feel right is to change your gender forever, for the rest of your life, I 
I think it's irresponsible, quite honestly, and I think it's uh, I think it's offensive. I, I don't think it's a good idea. If you want to change your gender, uh, that's your choice totally. If that's something you want to do, if you feel like, but that should at least not take place. I mean, if you can't buy a pack of cigarettes or, you know, or buy a gun or buy alcohol or anything else until you're 18 or 21, then you probably shouldn't be able to change, you know, life altering change like that until you're later in your life, because then you've made, you've had enough living to understand things. The fact that they're talking to this to kids who are in the fourth or fifth or sixth grade is just ridiculous. It's, it is ridiculous and it's offensive. So I'm with you on that. Bonnie, I'm sorry. I got to go here. I got more coming up. We're going to continue the Michael Duke show. Phone lines are open. If you want to sound off on this, feel free to do so. 907-433-3150. We will continue with more here in just a moment. We'll be back with Kevin McCabe coming up at the top of the hour. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hi, how are you guys? How are you feeling this morning? How is it going on? Yeah, I mean, I got to agree with Bonnie on that. Uh, I mean, this is... I find the idea of trying to sell these ideas to kids who are already... You know, they're already confused. They're still trying to learn about life and take all these things in. And you're going to throw one more things in there under the spin cycle. And that is that they, you know, are probably in the wrong body or in the wrong. What I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know. And then to cut parents out of the loop. That's the thing that offends me most um, is that they're going to try and cut parents out of the loop who are obviously morally, financially, fiscally, legally responsible for these kids, and they're going to cut the parents out of the loop on it, that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, <laughs> Michael, you're in a good mood today. When you get time, could you run over and shovel out my garden? No, man. No, man. Sorry. I got so many things to do today, you have no idea. But bless you. Bless you. <laughs> I hope that works out for you. Um, it's the polka dot PJs. It's not PJs. I'm wearing a polo shirt with little sea anchors on it. Those are not polka dots. Those are sea anchors. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. What are you doing? Stuff and things, Lori. Stuff and things. Um, uh, face it, the unions own this state. Um, retain makes you sound smarter. Uh, uh, $15,000, says Harold, is chump change. It's not going to be attracting anyone. Well, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, if it's... 
if that's a 10% pay bump, then maybe it will. I, I, I just don't even know at this point. I don't even know. Um, I'm, I'm scrolling down here. Um, anyone trying to advocate for keeping things from parents have absolutely zero business being around children and, sh- and should be on a registry. Well, I mean, again, I, I, I find that as a parent, I find that the most offensive thing. I mean, they require us, right? We're required to be legally and morally responsible for these kids, but don't tell us anything. Don't tell us anything. Let the kids make all the choices. But, I mean, kids can't go buy cigarettes or alcohol or guns or anything else because they're not old enough and responsible enough and have enough life experience to do all those. But we could, you can make a decision on the most life-altering thing in your life, of course, in your gender at the very beginning because it's – I'm just like, wow. No wonder all these kids are so confused in the long run. This stuff is insane. Um, let's go over to the phone lines. We've got one call on hold. I want to get their name and where they're calling from. We're going to return to the radio here in about just over a minute. So let's go over there and see what they have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Sean Bennett from the Milchick. How are you doing, sir? Good, sir. Would you hold the line? I will be right back from uh, Nanil I gotta spell Nanil Chick. Uh, I'll be right back to you here, and uh, you hold the line. You'll be first up in the queue when we get back. So, Sean, hold the line, uh, and we will uh, talk with you here in just a hot second. Um, I saw my dad in the chat room too, which I'm assuming means my mom is there too, because mom and dad they listen to the show in the morning. So, hi, dad. Hi, dad. Hi, mom. Love you guys. Love you guys. Um, hey, Onak is coming up. Onak. That's right. I'll be up there for Onak. I'll come up and see you. I'll be a good son and come see you like I should do more often. Um, all right. We got another line on hold, but we don't have enough time to get their name. So we got Sean up first and then the second call and we'll continue on from there. We'll see what we see what we got to go. Uh, the Michael Luke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. <laughs> Let's do this thing, shall we? Here we go. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke Show. Pain in the what? Pain in the what? Say it, man. What are you saying? The oh, I get it. Uh, and, and the thing and the got it. Yeah, that's me, the Michael Duke Show. Thanks for coming back in and joining us. Uh, we're taking some calls now. We've been talking about the governor's new education bill. I haven't even gotten down into Loki Tobin's comments. I mean, like she's incensed that this is what would happen. We'll talk about that here in a second. First, let's go and talk to Sean, who is out in Nanilchik. Let's get his take on this whole thing. Sean, what uh, what are your thoughts this morning? Oh, I love the school systems. I hate what's going to the kids sometimes, so I'll stay off that. If I can get 30 seconds, I'll spit some other stupid at you. Sure, sure. Go ahead. Hit, it, hit me with it. Hit me with it, my friend. I, I, got, I sent you an email. Mike Shower knows about this. This is one of those things that's near and dear to my heart. So I've been stuck in Alaska for two years, and I love this state. But I was called a terrorist flying across the country, and Arizona tried to throw me in jail. 
Alaska hasn't given me any assistance at all. The legislators at the state level are telling me to call Murkowski. I've talked to Murkowski now, sent her an email, and the court case was won by my private attorney that had to go to Arizona to win it, so I didn't have a a full lawsuit against me that I already had. So in other words, I had a uh, subpoena that I never received, and they put a warrant out for my arrest that I never received in Alaska for a fight that I never got into in Arizona. There's no video in the airport or on the plane, but now I'm a Silver Star Purple Heart recipient missing half my left arm that's stuck in Alaska. This is my house. I love it, but I'd like to see my aging parents, grandparents, and my kids and my grandkids. Right. So I'm pretty much a loss, Mr. Duke. Yeah, you sent me some some paperwork, and I I did get uh, reached out to by a couple of legislators, and I do want to talk more about this and kind of walk through the timeline of this. And I apologize, Sean. It's just I got a lot of things going on, and I just it's on my list of things to do. I just not had not reached back out to you to get the details. Can you give us a, a three minute synopsis you're, you're of? Can you give us a three minute synopsis of how yeah, this whole thing got, started, and then we can maybe we can reschedule you for a full segment or two here in the near future? But can you give us just a quick rundown of what happened and how you got how they basically have locked you into the state, not allowing you to fly? I got on an airplane, on an airplane in Knoxville, Tennessee, in first class that I had with uh, airline flights. Got into Chicago, got off that plane. Got This is during COVID, so I had to wear my mask and everything. I was being nice. Got all the way to Arizona, still being nice. Jogged over the airplane, still being nice. Sat down on the plane. And one of the flight attendants that wasn't wearing any identification all to get out of that seat, move across the aisle. I had my headphones on. The front door of the airplane wasn't closed. She walked back about 10 feet, came back to another flight attendant, told me to get off the plane, which I walked off the plane. That's it. That's the end of the story. I walked off the plane, which that time, a three-minute audio was made by the American Airlines employees to the FAA saying that I was beating the heck out of everybody. Assault, assault, assault. All the way up the jet bridge, got into the terminal, hadn't touched anybody. I didn't even have my headphones. I'm glad I had my wallet. I just tried to get off the plane. Got off the plane, five cops jumped me in the Phoenix. Airport, when I say jump me, the cops all apologized to me on written letters because if they would have known what had happened, they would have done these things, and that's what they said. But instead, they beat the hell out of me, handcuffed me down the stairs, threw me in the back car, and drug me down into the airport police station, bleeding everything. I didn't have my phone, nothing. One of them called my wife with my phone. I didn't have my phone, but the commander called my wife and asked her, how to get, how can we get him out of here now? Because they knew they had screwed up. They didn't bring me to a hospital. They brought me to a Motel 6. The next morning, I walked three miles through the railroad stations of the Phoenix. I wouldn't call it suburbs. I would call it a pretty trashy place to the airport where I was still bleeding, wearing ripped clothes that the, the police force then brought me to the airport, got me on the plane, and flew me back up or flew me to Alaska. American Airlines put a terrorist watch list on me. They put a subpoena out for my arrest, and then they went ahead and prosecuted me at the 12-month mark while I still was not allowed to leave through anything. I have not had my COVID vaccine, nor is my wife. So we weren't driving through Canada, so they told us no. Right. So we could not play. So and, I want to talk about Yeah. Uh, yeah my name is Rick Griner right now. 
Well, and so I guess my question, and again, you're a wounded vet, right? I mean, you said Silver Star, Purple Heart, don't have part of one of your arms and everything, and and apparently you were the threat? That was the whole thing? The police officers, when they figured it out, one of them literally put me in his truck, let me play with his dog, brought me to the hotel, gave me his phone number, and started texting me, apologizing to me. All this my court documents have. And the police, everybody has this. This is just a joke now. Right. Well, American Airlines with their lawyers flying around out of gas in the air. Sean, I do want to talk about this more, but we need more than what we have here. And I got some other calls. So let's, uh, you know, stay in contact and we'll, uh, we'll, we will get you on the air to discuss this and see if we can get a little bit more exposure on this. And uh, and we'll come back to it. I appreciate you calling in. And again, sorry it's taken so long to kind of get around to this, but... Uh, there's a lot of lot of moving parts here on oh, the yeah. show, so. Um, but I appreciate you giving me the rundown on this, and let's let's get back to it. And let's save our education. You got a great show, and I love this state. I just want to go see my kids and my grandkids. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate you calling in and being part of the show today. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, this story definitely needs a little bit deeper dig and exposure on this. This is some crazy stuff. All right, let's go over here to this call and see who's up next. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oh, my name is Daryl. I'm in uh, Anchorage. Hello, Daryl. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, I was curious. Uh, that was quite an interesting story, to be honest with you. I was, uh, good Lord, it was like uh, listening to a television episode or something like that right on the radio. Right. I was curious. I was uh, mistreated at a store recently. I was wondering if I could tell a quick uh, three-minute story about that. Oh, uh, sure. Go ahead. Okay. I'm, it might go a little longer. You gave that guy four minutes. I just want to be clear. You said a three-minute story, but he did give four minutes. I was timing it. So if mine goes a little longer than three minutes, I think we, we could be okay with that. Well, right? I, don't, I don't think anybody's necessarily holding a stopwatch, uh, Daryl, so proceed ahead. Proceed ahead. Oh, I, was, I mean, I was. I was, but yeah. I was, but yeah, okay. Um, I, so I was going to the store, and I'm a stand-up comedian, by the way. Have you, have you heard Daryl Kraft is my name? D-Kraft? No, I, I'm no, sorry. I haven't. Me. Go ahead. Okay, I'm a sort of a touring level stand-up comedian, but so I was going to the store the other day. It was uh, the grocery store, you know, got to get some groceries. As uh, basically, that's what happens when you, you know, if you're if you're having to eat dinner or whatever like that, you look around. Hey, I don't got everything that I need uh, ingredients-wise as far as what we need to get here. So you go in there, you you're looking around in there. Oh, what's on sale? Oh, okay, could I could I get this thing here that's on sale because it's not. Uh, you know, it, uh, I, I haven't had that one before, but the the one it probably is comparable, and I'm saving two dollars on it, so I might as well grab it. Um, and so you get all of your ingredients, and then you think to yourself, maybe I could get some diet types. And you realize, well, I wonder if the diet types are on sale. And you realize you got a fresh load of mud right in your drawers as you're speaking, and you and you got a little poop poop in there. And everyone's looking at you, kind of like, what's that smell? Is there a baby around here? No, there isn't. It's me. It's all me. And and you and then you start going. Boop, 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 boop. I'm I'm sorry, Michael. This is a, this is one of my jokes. I'll be honest. This is one of my famous stand-up comedy jokes. So that's what you're hearing now. And uh, do you want? Should I get to the punchline? Uh, I I I think I know the punchline already, Daryl. And I know that it's one of us is probably full of something. And it, uh, at this case, is probably is probably you. But I appreciate you holding ten minutes to give us that that. Uh, Turn a phrase there. I appreciate that. 
Uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. Uh, all right. We got more coming up. Uh, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. If you'd like to sound off and, uh, uh, and comment on anything that we got going on today. Continuing this discussion on uh, the governor's education bill. Um, here's what here's one of the interesting things. Uh, so the parental rights, <clears throat> the parental rights component of the two bills that the governor, uh, the parental rights bill, uh, had a couple provisions in it. One would prohibit teaching sexual education before the fourth grade. It would then require written, which is what? So if a kid is what? Kid's five years old when it goes into kid and kindergarten. So fourth grade would be what? N- uh, nine years old. You're nine, ten years old. So, I mean, I think that's probably right. You don't need to be teaching anything about that prior to the, you know, nine or ten years old. And then it would require written parental permission from children to participate in the sex ed after fourth grade, which, again, and require parents to sign off when a child asks to change their name or pronouns and require children to use locker rooms and restrooms according to their biological sex. Again, to me, these are things that are pretty commonsensical. That, I mean, if a parent, a parent should know if a child is having a hard time. If a child is having some kind of identity crisis or anything else, they should know. It should not be hidden from the parents. They should be in the loop on these things. Uh, Because, again, the child is their responsibility. It's their child. Uh, So I don't think that this is, uh, I don't think that this is uh, uh, that big a deal. The proposal was immediately rejected by Senator Loki Tobin, an Anchorage Democrat who chairs the Senate Education Committee. She said she's not going to hear the bill in her committee. That's it. Boom. And that the bipartisan majority that controls the chamber has vowed to steer away from divisive social issues. I don't need to hear people justify discrimination. I don't understand what the discriminatory part of this is. I guess maybe the whole bathroom thing where they have to use locker rooms and bathrooms that uh, are according to their say. I don't know why, you know, why she would be so shocked that parents would want to know what's going on with their kids. I don't know why that would be, again, a shocking development. But I guess I don't know why I'm shocked that she's shocked. But there it is. I got two more lines on hold, and we're going to continue here in a minute. We'll be back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more and other phone calls. Plus... Kevin McCabe at the top of the hour. We'll be back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hey, it's the break. Uh, And it's just me and you right now. (laughs) 
I don't know. Uh, I, I just It's interesting. Um, all right, let's go over to the phone lines and get some names here before we restart so that when we jump back on, we've got these two phone calls right off the bat. Let's, let's do that. Uh, we'll go over here first and see what uh, the first caller's name is. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning, Michael. This is David from Anchorage. Hey, David. Good to hear from you, my friend. Hold on the line, and you will be number one in the queue. You'll be first up. So hold the line. I'll be right back to you. Let's go over here to number two. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, sir. This is Ken from North Pole. Hello, Ken. Hold the line, my friend. You will be number two in the queue. One and two. I got them both. So hold the line. Got uh, David and Ken. Uh, to talk about uh, things here this morning, and let's uh, let's see what you guys have to uh, have to talk about. All right, let me let me scroll backwards here. Let me scroll backwards here to see what's going on. Um, all right, um, half the time the kids can't. This is the perfect comment. Half the time the kids can't even decide what to have for breakfast. They have no business being powered to decide if they want to chop off the twig and berries. Well, and I'm not even. T- I mean. Even if they're just having an identity crisis, you're right. Half the time they can't decide what to wear or what to eat for breakfast. I don't think that's a good time to try and make those kind of life-altering decisions, right? That's the thing. Um, uh, so is Dunleavy pushing the agenda? No, he's, again, his parental rights bill would have done done that. Uh, and Harold's talking about this... Uh, uh, Harold is talking about the uh, unmaintained roofs. That's actually one of the news stories that I haven't gotten to yet. But yeah, there's the municipal inspectors are advise, advising people in Anchorage if your roof was built in the 70s or 80s with wood trusses, you might want to check your snow load right now. You know? Um, all right. Uh, typical American Airlines, worst airlines for flying. Tell him to call a lawyer. Sean who? Sean Bennett. That was what his name was. Um, okay. Uh, okay, okay, okay. What is this? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Mm, uh, no good, but please no. This stings about this. Okay. Silver Star and Purple Heart. Know anyone who's been railroaded? Hope he has some luck. We're going to actually talk about this. I got a couple. Uh, te- I got a couple uh, messages from some of the legislators he's been working with, um, and that they've been trying to get some relief for him. Uh, it's uh, definitely a problem. Melody says eight to. N- I said nine to ten. Melody says fifth, fifth, fourth graders are eight to nine years old. Okay, so sorry, I was close. Close. Um, what is Sean's name in the nil ticket? Sean Bennett. Sean Bennett, uh, is the, uh, is the phone number or is the, is the phone number is the caller's name. There you go. Um, how about schools do its job and teach them how to read? (laughs) You know, maybe we should just focus on, uh, Public education should stick to STEM, says uh, Mikhail. They should stick to STEM. And Brian says, how about they just do the job and teach them to freaking read? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, 
all this social engineering that schools have gotten into. I mean, if you needed another reason to find alternative education for your kids, whether it's homeschool or charter school or private school or pandemic pods or believe, you know, whatever it is, just look no further than this whole thing right here. Just look no further than right here. Um, um, a couple of feather pillars for Costco and the kids, and one day saw those a little guy. Uh, it's a feather. Okay. Um, good morning. How dare parents have rights over their children? Didn't you get the memo that all parental rights are trash the moment we enroll our children into public schools? Teachers are their parents now mentally abusing them or making them all? I don't think it's mentally, but I think, again, we have no one to blame but ourselves for this kind of situation. I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, you know, don't be surprised when you send your children to Rome and they return as Romans. Right. That's I mean, that's an old adage. That's the old, you know, why are you shocked when you send your kids to Rome and they come back as Romans? You know, when when we abdicate our responsibilities to our children and turn them over to the state meaning the government, not the state of Alaska, but the but the but the government in general, and you are shocked, shocked, I tell you, that there is another agenda here. Why are you surprised? Again, reason number 1,236 why I homeschooled my kids. Right there. All right. Um, hey, that means, the ding means it's time to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share, like and follow. Let's get this thing going on. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. I, I love how it's the show and the show. It is the show, the Michael Duke show. We're broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Let's go over to the phones. David is in Anchorage and we've got, uh, uh, we've got, uh, well, we did have one more in North Pole. We had Ken in North Pole, but we're going to go to David first because he hung on the line here. We'll start off over here. Good morning, David. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, good morning, Michael. Thank you for starting the discussion, this debate on uh, Governor Dunleavy's uh, proposed two bills on uh, education. By the way, I'm not going to comment too much because I want to wait to see the actual bills. I'm sure he has actually created a firestorm down there in Juneau with the education industry and the teachers union. Oh, yeah. But uh, Governor Dunleavy back in 20, yeah, Governor Dunleavy, he started working on this when he was a senator back in 2016. And in, in, in it resulted in a statute called a parent's right to direct the education of the parent's child. In other words, the school boards have to put together policies that inform the parents about recognizing the authority of parents and allowing a parent to object to and withdraw the child from lots of things, even standardized testing. Right. And, and, and it also mentioned, yeah, uh, sexual edu- education classes. But um, it very interesting and what what happened in that bill during the during the process committee process was they changed it from an opt 
opt-in program for the parent to opt their child into sex ed classes to an opt-out program. And that's how the bill got passed. Right. And unfortunately, as, as many parents know, what happens out there, the child may get a note from the, from the school or the teacher saying, your child's going to have sex education classes. And by the way, by law, that they have to notify you this as a parent two weeks before the classes are held. Right. Uh, and that child may never, you know, the note stays in the kid's backpack or the kid throws it away or, or the parent, for some reason, never, ever knows about it. So they don't have the right to opt out of the sex edge classes. His new bill supposedly is going to make it an opt-in process a positive control process by parents, much better than what it is today. Right. Um, this new bill supposedly actually does a lot of what's being uh, debated now in the Anchorage School District by a lot of parents and testifying at the school board meetings. Uh, for example, you know, the transgender, quote, guidelines that the Anchorage School District has. And by the way, they're called guidelines because if they called it a policy, you would have to go through the board, school board right. confirmation process. Have to go through a public process. Yeah, it have to. Vote on yeah, the yeah, it would be exposed to a public process if right. they call yeah. it a policy. So instead, they just call it guidelines and do whatever the hell they want. It's exactly right, and this gives the opportunity of the school board members to hide behind that big rock called guidelines. And these these guidelines, that document, guide ten page document, came from the the teachers union, the NEA national, that's actually on their website. So we policy actually is being dictated by an outside organization, which has nothing to do with parents, but uh, lots of things are happening. And uh, regarding Loki Tobin, Senator Tobin, boy, this lady is, she's in, in control, is con totally controlled by the teachers union, the education industry. And I figured I, Yesterday, I said exactly that's what's going to happen. They won't even hold it. They won't have a hearing in Senate education, right. and that will kill the bill. Yeah. But on the other hand, they've already passed um, L.V. Gray-Jackson Senate Bill 43 out of committee, which basically is going to impose sex education on, on children in right. Alaska schools. I mean, that's the thing. That you, so she... I, I think maybe house education... Yeah, or she say she's talking about socially divisive issues. I mean, wait, you've already got other bills up that cover almost exactly the same subject. And you're, I mean, again, it's good for thee, but not for me kind of thing. It's it's one of those things that's just so frustrating. Yeah, exactly right. And there's no way they're going to roll the chair there because there's only one good person on that committee out of five. And um, I guess if I were in the House and I'm a chair of House Education, I would not have a hearing on uh, Senator L.V. Gray Jackson's bill to indoctrinate children yeah. in sex education. Well, uh, David, yeah. I appreciate the heads up, and hopefully we'll get more details on this as the governor bills come uh, comes out and we get uh, the details of it. We'll uh, Maybe we'll have you back on to discuss it. Thank you for calling in this morning. I appreciate it uh, and be a part of it today. Let's go over here to the phones. I think this is Ken in North Pole. Let's fingers crossed we still have him. Good morning. Morning, sir. How you doing? Good, good. What's on your mind, sir? Oh, nothing. Just uh, thinking about the school and everything <laughs> else and everything. I know my grandmother years ago when the government took over, she goes, well, I'm done teaching the kids now because the government's involved. Oh, because uh, she was a teacher or what? She that, was uh, a 
she was a teacher or was she, she was. yeah she was she said as soon as the government got involved peace peace out i'm done well that yeah and she retired because she said i'll never be able to teach kids again so well i mean but, that's um, anyway that, go ahead you know, i I'm think yeah, what they ought to do is just go ahead and send um school vouchers out to everybody let the parents decide where they want to send their kids and see who laughs and who doesn't. Well, we've talked about that. I mean, that that school choice, whether it was through a voucher or backpack funding or education savings plan or whatever it is, would give the parents choice and they would be able to endorse the methods that they want. So if you want to send them to public school where they're doing all this kind of stuff and using these guidelines and everything else, you could do that. If you wanted to send them to a private school where it was more about reading, writing, and arithmetic, you could do that. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I've advocated for that for a long time. Uh, like I said, we homeschooled all our kids. Luckily, there was a program like IDEA out there that allowed us to, to you know, uh, uh, helped us, and and we did get a portion of that state funding, and were able to teach the kids the basics of what we wanted. You know, the history and the math and the reading and the and the basic science and things like that. That was the important part. So I agree with you. I think having that choice would be good for parents. More choice is always better than less choice. Right. And, you know, to me, if you go ahead and give all the um, parents school vouchers and everything else to do what they want, I can guarantee the private sector can do a lot better than the public sector. Right. Well, exactly. I mean, historically, that's been uh, that's been true. Historically, you're right. And then as far as the, you know, keeping teachers and stuff like that with what they're trying to push agendas and everything else and teaching beside reading, writing, arithmetic. Um, some of the teachers are like, well, I'm pretty sure I'm not teaching anymore because this isn't what I want to do. So you're not going to be able to pretend good teachers that I can tell. Well, I remember when one of my best friend, uh, my best friend, his father was a teacher in the school system. Uh, in fact, my my wife attended some of his classes in junior high. And <clears throat> I remember this conversation that came out where his dad said, yeah, I just can't do this anymore. I can't play footsies with all the politics and the and the unions and all this stuff. I can't in good conscience as a Christian continue to try and teach and push some of these agendas. And he walked away from it. Uh, he The same kind of thing, just like your grandma. And, uh, and I agree. I think you're going to keep good people out of those systems. And what you'll have is you'll have conformists who want to are okay with the agenda and are willing to push it. And those that aren't will walk away. That's what's going to happen. You're 100% right, Ken. And then the last thing I'd like to say is uh, I'm really proud of my daughter. Um, she homeschools our grandkids, and they've done awesome. And then her friends go, how come your kids are so much, you know, up to date and, I should say, a little bit smarter than our kids? Our kids go to public school. And I just said, there you go. <laughs> That's the answer. You just answered the question with the answer right there. It was all good stuff. All right, well, Ken, well, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate you being part of the program today and uh, giving us your thoughts. I appreciate that. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, all right, we are coming up against the top of the hour break. Uh, some good calls there uh, and good discussions. Um, the other story that we didn't get to is um, um, the uh, Anchorage officials are now warning uh, that uh, – that you should remove the snow from your commercial buildings or your residential buildings if they were uh, if they were built in the late 70s to the early 80s, from the mid-70s to the mid-80s, actually. 
Uh, they said Anchorage buildings, commercial and, and residential owners should clear the snow if their buildings were built between the 1970s, mid-1970s and mid-1980s and have wooden trusses of any time because they've had three major collapses in just the last couple weeks, including one that killed a woman at a CrossFit gym. They did not have excessive snow load. The roofs had less snow than they were actually rated for, but there's ice and other buildup, and it looks like those frames, those truss frames, have been failing. And so uh, they're recommending that people get the snow off their roof right now, which is just oof, man. Uh, so we'll see we'll see what uh, happens with that. But if you are listening and you live in those areas, you may want to check your homes if they were built in the mid-70s to mid-80s because there was a lot of stuff that was built during that time. A lot of stuff. All right, we got to go. We got hour two dead ahead. Kevin McCabe is going to be joining us. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Okay, uh, here we are in the break, and we'll see what uh, we'll see we'll see what comes about. I guess it's time to kill the phones, huh? Let's kill the phones. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. All right. So now we're going to um, go check the uh, green room. Looks like. Looks like Kevin McCabe is in the green room right now with us, so we'll check in with him here in just a minute. Um, where's Randy and Carlene? Lots of folks in Homer and Anchor Point have been shoveling their roofs, said Greg. Yeah, no. And they said it wasn't just flat roofs, too. It wasn't just flat roofs that need to be concerned that they, sh- you know, they should be checking all that stuff. Oof, man. Um, probably a good idea, says Richard, regardless of when the house was built. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, we're, we have allowed the agenda to gain strength by allowing it to be accepted. He's talking about the. I think the transgendered and the the uh, uh, policy where they don't inform the parents and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, again, as a parent, if I had discovered, if I had had my kid in public school and I discovered that they were basically hiding stuff from me as a parent, um, then, yeah, Houston, we've got a problem. Now, I, you know, here's the thing. I'm not talking about people who, you know, if they're like, well, you know, there are some kids that are abused. and they, Then call the cops. Call OCS if that's the problem. But not telling their parents that their children are having some kind of, you know, a crisis, emotional, mental, whatever crisis is just that's cruel in and of itself. And and it completely, you know. It, it, it completely infringes on the parents' rights and abilities to take care of their own children. 
But I think you're right. Uh, uh, Brett says indoctrination is the primary agenda. I agree. I agree. I think that that is part of the problem. Uh, um, let's go down here. Um, I'm, I'm still scrolling through here. Um, the state needs to set acceptable standards on what is being taught in schools if they expect tax dollars. Well, yeah, except for, the, again, the same group of people who are writing a lot of the acceptable standards and agreeing to it are some of the same folks who want these, you know, who have got an agenda themselves. You know, and we've kind of fallen down on the job in some ways by not engaging that sector. Um, but again, some of them are like me where I just basically said, you know what? I just refuse to participate in the foolishness. Maybe that's, maybe that was wrong of me. Maybe that was wrong of me to just basically take my toys and go play somewhere else. But I just couldn't see, I couldn't see changing it. I couldn't see how trying to fight that system, which was already ensconced by the time my kids were starting to age up. And I'm like, no, we're just going to keep homeschooling these kids. There's no way I'm going to go in there and fight that madness. Um, And so I just took my ball and bat and went home kind of thing, right? I just pulled myself out of that fight because I didn't, I honestly didn't see a way and still to this day don't really see a way to win it. That's why I advocate for homeschooling so much. Again, don't be surprised when you send your kids to Rome and they return as Romans. That's uh, That should be a big shock to, uh, you know. Um, all right. I see Kevin is down there. Let me, uh, let me clear out some of the stuff here on, uh, the screens, get back to where I need to be. Let me see if I can check in with Kevin. Uh, <laughs> he, he identifies as, wow. Uh, Kevin, I had no idea. Uh, are you ready? Kev, uh, I don't, I don't have a camera picture here. I do have an audio. I wonder picture. why not. Can I, you I, hear me? I can hear you, but I can't see you. Um, huh. um, but uh, it looks like, in fact, it's a gradient. Um, it looks just like a gradient. I don't know. You, you don't have a sticker over your camera, right? Nope. <laughs> you want to. You want to try and rejoin, or uh, we got here? We yeah, got, I'll try that. We got about two minutes here. I'll let you rejoin. Right. You can jump off and rejoin, and uh, we'll see if we can uh, we can get you going on there. Um, all right. <clears throat> he had to, wait. Hey, all of a sudden, I could see you. I don't know what you did, but hold the line. I don't either. Now I can see you. All right, look at that. You you popped in there. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, your camera started working. <laughs> Um, all right. So I see that you, uh, uh, now identify as slim and gorgeous. So, uh, instead of he, him, it's now slim and gorgeous. Is that, is that what it's like? <laughs> is that, is that wrong? Is that, is that too unpolitically correct? No, I program? think, I think it's hysterical quite honestly, but that's just, that's just me. I think that that's fantastic. Uh, I would love to identify as that as well. Um, all right. So Kevin is going to be joining us here, uh, in just a minute. We're all ready. He's got good audio. We got good video and we're going to continue. So I'm going to put him back in the, in the green room now that we know that everything is working right. And we are going to get things going on. Here we go. 
<sighs> Hour two of the Michael Luke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return to more in just a moment. Make sure that you like and share on Facebook and that you hit subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. We will be back right after this. in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find links to the audio-only live stream, links to the podcast, links to our social media site, where we simulcast the radio show every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and of course, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska, this your favorite radio station and or translator Oh, baby. Thank you so much to our friends at Satellite West for sponsoring this hour of the program this morning. Uh, no matter where you go in the state, from Chignik to Chickaloon, from Delta to uh, uh, Diomede, uh, from Eagle to Eek, wherever you need to go, they have got the connectivity to keep you going on uh, SatelliteWest.com. That's where you go to talk with them and everything else. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's uh, let's jump into this and keep uh, keep things rolling. Uh, we've got our guest for this hour. Our guest is Representative Kevin McCabe. Normally, it's Mike Shower today, but he is feeling a little bit under the weather, and so luckily uh, we had a uh, we got the, the the pitch hitter. Is that what pinch hitter is that is that the baseball term pinch hitter? The substitution the. Uh, the uh, understudy in the wings, I don't know, whatever whatever you want to use. Representative Kevin McCabe joins us this morning. Welcome to the party, pal. How are you doing? Good morning, my friend. What's going on? Good morning, Michael. How are you? You know, it's just another beautiful day in paradise. Almost 12 hours of daylight this week. We're going to hit, we're going to sometime in here, we're going to get close to the 12-hour mark. I'm kind of excited. We're on the uphill swing on the daylight meter, which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's the best time of the year. A little windy down here in Juneau, but it's nice otherwise. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's um, let's uh, let's uh, sit down and talk a little bit about what's going on today. We were just talking about the governor's bills, um, which uh, we there's been you know there's been some discussion that the governor was going to be putting out some education bills. Kathy Tilton referenced that here a week or two ago as they uh, as they were discussing this BSA increase and some other things. 
Um, so I don't know if you are a little bit more well-versed now, if there's been more information that's been released since the press conference yesterday or everything else, but um, can we talk for a minute about your reaction and maybe the minority's reaction to what the governor is putting out uh, and to some of the uh, some of the outrage that we're seeing from the other side on some of this stuff? Can we start there? Would that be a good place? Sure. Uh, you know, the outrage, I, I think, was predictable. Uh, it's unfortunate. I, I mean, who... Um, you know, who wouldn't want parents to have uh, parental rights? I, I think the assumption that the teachers and the schools and the school districts and the education system in general knows better about how to um, parent our kids, if you will, is uh, is pretty arrogant, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I, I think I've said that any time that they're like, well, we need to hide your child's feelings or their problems. We need to hide all that from you as a parent. Wait, I'm, first of all, I'm legally responsible for that child. I'm ethically and morally responsible for that child. And, and it's my child. It's part of me. It's my body. It's my blood. It's my wife and eyes. It's our, it's, you know, we're, this is our kid You to hide things from us and to intentionally deceive the parents is not, it's evil is what it is. It's evil. Uh, unless well, that, unless, unless that know, parent is abusing that child or hurting them or doing something like that. But just because the child is having some kind of crisis, you hide it from them. That's evil. Well, and, and what, you know, teachers are a cross section of of the population anyways, and they have, um, you know, just as much chance of uh, of reacting wrong or treating a child wrong as the parent does. So. Uh, who's to say that just because the child is in the education system, if you will, that they are better protected than they are from an abusive parent? I'm I'm just not so sure that argument has much merit. I would agree with that because I personally know people in my own family who were, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, sexually abused by teachers, people in authority. So to say that somehow they have a corner on the market of uh, piety and understanding and expertise on this is, well, again, ridiculous. Uh, sure. I mean, I, I, I have three boys and, you know, so I, I went through the school districts with them when they were going up, growing up public schools. And uh, my oldest boy in second grade had a teacher that recognized that he was bored. Um, you know, he was, he would get in a little trouble and he talked too much and he was, uh, you know, being socially being a boy. And she thought, huh, he's not being challenged enough. So she put him in what was then the extended learning program. And it turned out that he was, you know, in second grade, he was reading at the sixth or seventh grade level and he could do math as well. And, uh, you know, and then I had a, uh, uh, my youngest son, sort of the exact opposite experience. He was in a class where the teacher hated, didn't hate, but, um, didn't like little boys. She liked girls and ballerinas and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And little boys were treated differently. And, um, you know, so we had to resolve those as parents. And I think that's our right. As well, parents. it's our right and our responsibility as parents. I right. mean, that's the thing. Um, the, so the parental notification thing, obviously a good deal, um, where the kid, you know, the parents have to be kept in the loop on things like that. Um, David uh, Boyle just called in a little bit ago and said that from what he's understanding is that this is an attempt to change that opt-in versus opt-out issue 
on the sex education stuff is that is that what you're understanding as well what what do you what do you say you know i haven't i haven't seen the bill um i'm looking at the governor's press releases where i'm sort of getting all my information so the bill hasn't really um, been printed out and changed into a legislative language and and given to us yet so i haven't really read that um I, i'm not sure if everybody's just reacting to the governor's press release especially the minority and all the uh, sort of the moral moral outrage, I, I think that's a mistake. I think they should wait and see how the bill's printed and how it comes out. And, uh, you know, there's, it's it kind of, I agree with you. It's interesting the way the various press uh, outlets have reacted to this and the way they printed it in the headlines. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it's just, it's amazing to me. I, I mean, I, I don't want to get into battle with the press, obviously, but uh holy cow why why can't they just you know walter cronkite and report the facts well and you're 100 percent right on that ktuu reports on it saying new education bills unveiled by the governor that's pretty much what it says the adn uh story says dunleavy education bills would restrict sex ed and offer teacher bonuses um, I don't know if this is restricting sex ed other than, again, requiring parental permission. I don't know how that restricts it. It just gives parents that. But again, we, we know, you know, we're seeing the slant from the news media on all these things. And I think uh, I think you and I, uh, you know, are kind of on the same uh, page on this, that uh, parents should have the ultimate say in all the things that are going on with their kids. There's no doubt about that. hundred percent for sure. Right. I mean, the headline should say the bill clarifies existing statutes regarding parental no, uh, parental notification and it gives teacher bonuses. I mean, you know, that's it's just not that difficult to, to understand that uh, Governor Dunleavy has a heart for um, for students and kids. And and he thinks that the parents he thinks like you and I do, the parents have the absolute moral and um, ethical obligation to uh, do what's right for their children. Uh, Representative Kevin McCabe is our guest. Uh, we're talking about the governor's new proposed education bill, which, of course, is not in bill form yet. It's just the press release of what he's uh, of what he's coming uh, what he's coming forward with. Um, the other portion of the bill, of course, is this retention, this uh, attraction and retention bill, where he wants to attract and retain new teachers by giving them uh, <clears throat> bonuses from five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars depending on where they are and what's going on. What are your thoughts on the proposal on that bill with, uh, as far as our teachers go? You know, in, in um, uh, sort of in response to the, uh, the whole defined benefits thing, I've been doing a lot of research on retention and, and hiring and bonuses and, and that sort of stuff. And, and frankly, um, you know, we're dealing with a different mindset workforce these days than than when you and I were growing up. I mean, I was looking for a career that would take me till the time I retired. I decided on aviation. I decided I want to be a pilot, and I and I focused on that career pretty much all my life. Um, the the young folks growing up right now, the uh, you know twenties and thirties, they're not that concerned about that. They're not concerned about a career. They're not necessarily concerned about retirement. Um, they would rather have the pay right now, and maybe they want to be a teacher for five, six, ten years, and then go do something else. So a bonus right now, I think, is a great idea. I think that many departments, uh, I think the Los Angeles Fire Department 
um, is offering a $50,000 sign-on bonus. And they have defined benefit retirement plan, but they're still not able to attract people without the bonus. So right. there's a number of, um, of sort of facets to this, if you will. Um, and I think the governor's on the right track with this. Well, I mean, I would say that you're in my generation probably was the last generation that could really look at something for the most part and say, we want a career where we're going to be in one industry forever and retire from it. Um, you know, because even, I mean, in my industry, they're not offering, I mean, I don't have a retirement plan unless it's self-directed. I have no way to do that. Some industries do, but that whole paradigm really shifted shortly after, you know, we graduated from high school. Uh, and, uh, you just don't see industries where people, uh, in the private sector are receiving retirement in that way, unless they work in some kind of major corporate environment, it's just not there anymore. And we've seen that paradigm shift where people are changing, uh, career paths multiple times over the that's happened over the last 20 years and then covid hits and then everybody starts rethinking their own mortality and they're saying <clears throat> i i don't necessarily need to make a million bucks today i just need to make enough to make a living and then we can go make our memories because we may die tomorrow so it's right. a whole nother paradigm shift so yeah the landscape is really changing and this idea that somehow this is this amorphous someday 25 years down the road, you're going to get this, you know, golden pot of whatever is um, I think is, is, is not the target that, like you said, that today's generation is really focusing on the short term, the raises, the bonuses, those might be more attractive than the long-term uh, gain in the long run. Right. And truthfully, you know, I can't think of a worse entity on the planet to manage my retirement system than the state of Alaska or to manage my personal retirement. I'd rather have it in a 401k where I can get in there and direct the funds and I can decide whether or not I want to invest in this company or that company or Bitcoin. Right. But, you know, you can't do that when you're in a defined benefits program. And the nice thing about a 401k or a defined contribution, 457, 403b, whatever, um, whatever you're in is you can actually continue to manage it well into retirement. Right. Once you're in defined benefits, you can't manage it at all. You just have to accept what they decide your payout is. And right. even under some of these defined benefits plan, HB 22, that, that payment could change and you don't have anything to say about it. Detroit, right. when they went bankrupt, some of those folks had to pay money back to their retirement. So, right. um, you know, it's to me a defined contribution where you manage your, and, and you don't have to manage it. You can give it to Fidelity or, um, Charles Schwab or whoever and have them manage it while you are busy working, um, you know, but what's the difference? I, I'd rather give my money to a, a big firm that I trust than I would the state of Alaska legislature for crying out well, loud. Well, sure. And the portability. I mean, you could actually leave if something, if your life circumstances changes, you know, God forbid your parents or somebody, your family member lives outside and you need to go, you need to move. You have to move out of the state of Alaska. Well, if you're in defined contributions, you you don't, or defined benefits, you don't, that unless you're vested, I mean, and you get, and you have to leave early. You don't get those big three years or, I mean, it's a lot of problems. If you've got the defined contribution, you fill out some forms, you check it, you climb on a plane, you go. Um, right. So there's a lot of things there uh, that uh, that are part and parcel of that. All right, yeah. well, we're, we're going to continue our discussions here with Kevin McCabe. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the work on the Fiscal Policy Working Group, what's going on in the Ways and Means Committee, and we're going to shed a little more light on these new House Joint Resolutions. We saw the one in the paper from Cliff Grow 
uh, <laughs> yesterday. Uh, they got no, but no mention of the other two that are actually coming out of committee. And so we will talk about that here in just a moment. It is the Michael Duke Show. We got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with Kevin J. McCabe right after this. Don't go anywhere. Listened to by more staffers in Juneau than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, in the break, uh, Kevin McCabe, uh, our guest here on the uh, on the program. Um <clears throat> Mr. Mastap says, because employer benefits of retirement basically no longer exist, there's no real incentive to stay working at any one place. Therefore, people are leaving their jobs if they aren't treated well or paid extremely well. I agree in part with that. I mean, the whole paradigm has shifted. There is very few, you know, any kind of paths to full retirement these days from almost any industry. Um, There are very, very few, like I said, unless you work in some kind of big corporate structure, uh, or for the military or for, uh, you know, for the government, there really is no real path to retirement. And so there is no incentive. And again, this generation or the <clears throat> maybe that not I'm Gen X, so maybe the the Gen Y or the millennial generation or whatever, they are not of ins- they are not as incentivized by that long term fiscal one day you'll get this golden egg kind of thing. They uh they want to change. They want to make some changes. They're not. It's not. You know, they're not their daddy's worker. They want to work in a different way, and of course the whole the whole thing is is shifting as we go through. And we've got to adapt, or it's going to be, it's going to be. Or yeah, Greg says many folks just get plain bored. Yeah, you're right. I've done it for ten years. This is really not challenging me anymore. It's not something that I love as much as I thought I did. So they change careers. It's it's kind of crazy uh, compared to what it was in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. It's it's a whole different it's a whole different ball game now. Right, and I think that a lot of uh, a lot of uh, the younger generation watched the uh, pen, the pensions go away when United went bankrupt, when uh, Delta went bankrupt, and the very first thing the judge did was yank the pensions. So if you retire as an airline pilot figuring you have $150,000 a year retirement, and then all of a sudden the company goes bankrupt and you're put on the pension benefit guarantee fund at $2,800 a month, um, it's a struggle. You know, there goes the house, there goes the boat, there goes the airplane because you just can't afford them anymore. And it's uh, the people in Detroit, the uh, pension defined benefits folks in Detroit, and there's several states, Illinois is on the verge right now, California's on the verge, and States can't really declare bankruptcy under Title IX, but they can certainly default on on programs or change the programs, well, similar to what Alaska did in 2006 when we got rid of defined benefits. We did that because it was it was bankrupting us. We were going backwards at a very fast clip. Yeah, well, and we still, again, still haven't recovered 
from those first three tiers. I mean, we still have a $7 billion unfunded liability. Uh, when we pulled the plug in 2006, it was just, it was over 12. It was almost $13 billion in unfunded liability. So we've whittled away at it. We've got five or six of the, of the billion dollars of liability taken care of. And now they want to add to the pain, uh, which it just <clears throat> makes no, makes no sense to me. But again, I think the one thing, because I've been having this conversation with a lot of business owners, because if I have heard one thing in the last two years, more than anything else, it is, my God, I wish I could get more employees. I wish I could get more employees who wanted to work and wanted to stay here and wanted to do it. And, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a problem. The whole, the whole paradigm has shifted. The whole worker outlook, the... There is no long-term anything anymore for a lot of these folks because, again, they would rather try different things and have experiences and just make a living, and they're okay with that. I mean, again, retirement right. is not the goal for many of them. Right. I had the – yesterday in my office, uh, this was kind of um, – I don't know what you'd call it, uh, career technical week, but I had uh, the loggers that were first in my office, and they said, we have got to have – more employees, more resources, more, um, you know, we just can't, the state right now, we can't handle the logging needs of the state. It was the same thing with the truckers. They, they came in and said, you know, we need just the, uh, the Mancho mine up at Kinross, you know, the Kinross Mancho mine thing going, um, they're, they're looking for 150 drivers. You know, it's just, there's not 150 spare drivers in the state, in the state right now. So, same thing with the Associated General Contractors. They can't find people. Kevin McCabe is our guest. We're going to jump back into it here. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share, like and follow. Here we go. Okay, we're continuing now uh, with uh, Representative Kevin McCabe. Normally, Mike Shower joins us. Kevin has stepped in for us kindly as Mike was feeling a bit under the weather. So we, uh, Kevin has uh, swooped in here all dressed to impress and everything else this early in the morning. It's uh, shocking, shocking. Um, uh, but here we are with him. We just kind of finished up talking a little bit about the education, uh, defined benefits and some of the other things, but I want to talk about maybe ways to solve the problem. And of course, the, got a lot of press in the last couple of days, this HJR nine that was put forward by Cliff Grow. Um, and it looks like he may have bamboozled a couple of Republicans into the, uh, into the support of that as well. But what was not mentioned in any of these news stories is that there are two other House Joint Resolution and Constitutional Amendments being proposed. These by the Ways and Means Committee, uh, and they are based and and uh, and and kind of modeled after what the recommendations were that came out of the Fiscal Policy Working Group. So let's talk for a minute about HJR 7 and HJR 8, which are basically two pieces that go together. One deals specifically with a permanent fund, one deals with the portion of the permanent fund and the POMV draw to protect the corpus of the fund and everything else. So uh, let's uh, let's let's get some get get some details from you here, Kevin, and your thoughts 
on these two uh, these two resolutions that would be constitutional amendments. Sure, I emailed you the uh, the press release from the Ways and Means Committee, which uh, came out last night. Problem with uh, with the majority press releases is the news media just doesn't publish them. They don't pick them up. They don't care about them. You know, Cliff Grove puts out a, a press release, and the news media has it on the wire in five minutes. Uh, we put out a press release, and we pretty much have to push it ourselves to Facebook and in our newsletters and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, you know, HDR seven and HDR eight—that's exactly what the fiscal policy working group said. You know, I think it's going to be impossible to drop everything and have it all done in one omnibus bill or several bills that drop at the same time. So while we said in the fiscal policy working group that we didn't want the legislature to cherry pick, in this case, it's Carpenter and myself, and of course Shelley Hughes has been involved. She's come in and testified, Senator Hughes and and others, even JKT, former representative Christ Toms Tompkins, who was uh, uh, sort of the moderator for the fiscal policy working group, he testified at the first Ways and Means Committee hearing, and and he's been involved. So um, HDR seven uh, does exactly what the fiscal policy working group said. We don't want to put a formula in the Constitution because it could be very dangerous having a formula in there if the um, you know, if we're required by the Constitution to follow it in the formula and something happens in the market or with oil or something like that, the time it would take to change the Constitution, especially during the interim, would might be too long. We're not as nimble. So what we did say is we will put language in the Constitution that says the legislature shall transfer the money to pay a PFD. It's a shall statement. It's in the Constitution. If you watched uh, Ways and Means the other night, I had some questions for um, uh, some of the bills, uh, such as uh, Zach Field's bill, which we heard with the $1,000 PFD. It says in his bill, it's in statute, says the legislature may pay or may transfer enough money or appropriate money uh, to pay. And I asked the lawyers on the record, I said, why may instead of shall and they said well because it doesn't really matter because the supreme court has said the legislature can do whatever they want as far as appropriations are concerned so may shall it, 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 as far as the lawyers are concerned it, it, they're um, in the in the statutory language is what you're talking right, about in the, statutory, in the language. statutory language now in a constitutional set that's a little bit of a different critter absolutely and so we put in the constitution we put the legislature shall pay a dividend and then from there, it further defines, uh, you know, that dividend will be set out or the amount of the dividend or the formula, if you will, will be set out in statute. Um, and then the, you know, HDR 8 is the other piece of that. And it uh, it does exactly what you said. It clarifies the, uh, you know, the 5%, 50-50, and it does away with the ERA, puts it all into, into one fund. So um, those are two very important parts of what the Fiscal Policy Working Group was focused on. Uh, they're the first two parts. The other part, of course, is Will Stapp or Kaufman's bill, whichever you want to do that's running right now for the um, constitutional uh, spending cap. And um, and then we just need to find more revenues. So we're focused on that in resources. Um, I, I know that I'm going to uh, make Michael Chambers head explode, but I'm going to mention the carbon offsets and the, and the carbon uh, sequestration. And uh, that's another piece of providing revenue for the state. So um, that's that's the uh, 
sort of the whole fiscal policy working group um, thing in a nutshell. And it's all kind of in play right now. The only thing that is not that I have not seen yet, uh, which I'm sure will come down in the committees and subcommittees that came out of the fiscal policy working group, is that they did recommend that there needed to be a portion of cuts. Um, there needed to be new revenues. There needed to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, basically taking the PFD and the POMV question off the table, which you're doing here with these two bills. And then there needed to be cuts. This is all, there's actually like eight different things, but those are the categories that they fall into. Um, sure. And, but again, Kevin, I've been calling for cuts in this program for 20 plus years. I've been saying we need to live within our means as I watch the budget grow and grow and grow. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I've been crying to the moon, baying at the moon for 20, 20 plus years, and there still seems to be no political will to cut the government. I mean, Rob Myers on Monday was telling us he lives in the second most conservative district in the state, and all he ever sees is people walking through the door with their hand out saying, we need more money for program X, Y, or Z. You said something similar in the chat room. I mean, you live in one of the most conservative districts. Are you seeing people say we need to cut or are you having people walk into your office with their hat in hand saying we need more government lucre? Well, most of the, of uh, course, on, on the show and, mo and a lot of the people that I know, friends and, and such, you know, conservative uh, uh, friends are certainly calling for cuts as they have been for years. Uh, the folks that come down here and come into my office for the most part um, the ones that uh, that don't have an ask, that's the first thing out of their mouth. They come in, they sit down and, hi, how are you doing? We introduce and, and I don't really have an ask today, but what we are concerned about is uh, employment or, or, the, or fiscal stability or those sorts of things. But pretty much everybody else that comes down here has something that they want and, and something that they want to focus on. And, and it could be, um, could be a building it could be a program it could be um a trust you know uh, there, there, there's a, a million things that everybody needs and wants money for and right now there's a 434 million dollar hole in our budget that we are working to fill right if you watch um yesterday uh, department of corrections subcommittee video hearing uh there's some interesting dialogue that that i put forth on just one, the very first line item in the budget is $250,000 to add a new um, or to return a investigator to investigate crimes, criminal uh, crimes, crimes in the prison system, the deaths. I think there was 18 deaths in the prison system last year. And this is to add an investigator in there. Well, it's $250,000. So I said, well, how much is this person going to make, this person that we're going to add, which will likely be a retired state trooper, or something like that and they said well $170,000 and I said well then where you know where is the other um you know $80,000 I mean where where does that go and they said well that's uh, uh you know for 20,000 of it is travel and I said okay yeah traveling around the state that makes sense but where's the rest of it go well that's supplies well so now and they're not doing it intentionally but the directors and the budget folks in the in the uh, in the various departments have found a way to hide money so well this is a new position so we need a new office well wait a minute where did the old person that uh, you know that just retired what uh, you know what office did they have we need a new workstation at twenty thousand dollars really 
I mean, I have a $1,100 desk in my office, you know, it's, and it's only that expensive because it goes up and down, uh, you know, you know, so they need a $20,000 workstation. Uh, it's just, uh, they're trying to, and I don't want to say put one over on us, but they're, they're, they're finding little niches to hide money in that they can use for other things later on. Right. And it's well, frustrating when you're looking at the budget, it's frustrating to try to have to ferret those out of, um, you know, picking fly poop out of pepper, if you will, try to ferret those things out. Well, and it, this is the this is what I hear a lot of times when I start talking about cuts and then people go, well, then you tell us where we should cut. Well, how about the 2,000 plus ghost positions that we have out there that are funded but not filled? And that money is then used as a slush fund by those departments or divisions to do with as they feel because they're they're not filled and they've got $100,000 for their, each one of these positions to go out and do what they want with. I mean, how about those? I mean, there's a, there's dozens of things that we could talk about, but that is a big one. The personnel costs, obviously, one of the largest cost factors in any budget. And the fact that you've got positions that are overfunded, as you're pointing out in this case, or just funded but not filled. And haven't been filled for, in some cases, years. Yeah, maybe that's a way that we could find it and cut. I mean, maybe those are the things that we need to look at. Sure. And, you know, the first year I was down here, I was sitting on the DPS finance subcommittee with uh, Representative LeBon. And he had been on that committee the year before. And uh, DPS uh, put in a request for 37 more PCNs, uh, you know, personnel control numbers. So that's 37 more positions. And Bart said, well, I seem to remember that you put in this same request last year for 37 positions. How many of those did you fill? Well, it turned out that they filled four of them. And they said, yep, we filled four. And Bart said, then what did you do with the money we gave you last year um, for those other 33 positions? Well, um, we, we bought vehicles with it. Well, w- wait a minute. That's not what we gave you money for. Right. We gave you money to fill. We need more troopers. Right. We need the troopers in the valley in Fairbanks. We need the troopers where the crime is. We gave you money for that. Well, we we, we had a problem filling those positions. Well, yeah. then maybe you should give the money back and we will reappropriate it to somebody that actually can fill the positions. And when you can find the troopers and find the candidates, then we'll give you money for to fund well, them. You know? And my next question would have be, okay, well, what about the vehicle maintenance and fleet fulfillment fund? What about the monies that you should have bought vehicles from, from those funds? Where did those monies go? If that's not the, right. I mean, again, this is the great shell game that we see in government right now. Sure. Um, one of the other things that we need to talk about that was in that full revenue package was uh, one of the things that the uh, working group acknowledged was there's still money on the table in the uh, in the oil industry as well. You know, four. I mean, even Brad Keithley says there's four or five million hundred million dollars there that could come out of the oil industry. We haven't seen any bills on that yet. Is there any movement on anything like that? You know, I haven't seen much of that. Um, I've, I've been sort of head down with the uh, with the finance subcommittees as we close those out. And I think that like the DOC closes out at the end of the week, DPS probably the first of the next week. So as we close out those finance subcommittees, then we'll surface and, um, you know, be able to take a look at some of those, uh, some of those items and, and talk to the industry and talk to, um, you know, ledge finance and, and those folks and find out if there is uh, if there is room uh, in there for, uh, you know, for increased revenue, it just, 
one of the things that frustrates me is every single time we get in a financial difficulty in the state, we'd look at the oil industry and say, well, I think it's time to revisit your taxes. Right. I don't think Texas has changed their royalty or tax structure uh, for the oil industry in, in almost ever. And, and they just want, they're like the rest of us. They just want some financial certainty and stability. And if we get in, every time we get in trouble, we seem to turn to them and maybe it's time to spread out and, and not have a one trick pony and find better sources of revenue. Right. Um, well, <clears throat> I, I'm I uh, while I agree that we need a stable budget environment, if there is money that's on the table there, we need to bring it back in and bring make it part of the equation and then have it locked in and be stable for the future. But if there's money and even oil industry experts like Keith Lee are saying there's money on the table up to half a billion dollars still laying there, we should take those cracks as well because we've got to find it. For, it's It's got to be a multi-pronged approach, right? That's what the Fiscal Policy Working Group said. Multi-pronged and you got to do it all together. It's got to be holistic so you can't leave something out. So right. I think it's something that we need to talk about. Uh, but we got to go here. We're up against the break. Uh, Kevin McCabe is our guest. We're going to give him the floor here in the uh, next segment to talk about whatever else he's working on and what he would like to see move forward. Uh, that's up directly ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're back with more here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. That's right. <clears throat> 100% pure beard power. Even Kevin got into the beard game the other day. He was a little jealous, apparently, and uh, slapped on the uh, slapped on the the beard. It was a faux beard, but we'll uh, we'll allow it. It was uh, it was funny how many people were like, "When did you grow that?" It was uh, it was pretty, had a beard pretty funny a stuff, Kevin. Um, I think you muted yourself. I can't hear you now. Um, did I mute? No, I. You're not muted for me. Can you hear me now? Um, nope. Nope. I lost your, uh, huh? That's weird. Um, oh, that's because I had pushed a button over here that I wasn't supposed to push. Yeah. So, uh, it was amazing how many people thought that, uh, you had actually grown that thing. It was uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually had a beard when I was a young man in the Coast Guard, uh, on small boats in Delaware, everybody had a beard. So, so I grew one, but I have a scar right here. And it doesn't grow any hair, so it kind of leaves this funky looking thing in my beard. So you'd have like the mutton chops in this thing, and it'd be like the split Viking beard, you know, (laughs) Kevin McCabe, the Viking, as he comes down uh, for the thing. Uh, That's okay. That's okay. Um, All right. Well, Kevin, uh, any final thoughts here uh, before we? we, I'm going to let you have your free reign in the next segment. But um, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying on the oil companies wanting some stability and everything else. But at the same time, 
you know, this is a finite resource. Alaskans should be getting the full equitable share of what they've got. When even oil industry guys are saying, mm, there's probably four or five hundred million dollars on there. Plus, we get a couple hundred million in cuts. Plus, we get some new revenues from X, Y, or Z, whether it's sequestration or whether it's a sales tax or whatever it is. You know, we can offset some of those things. Um, I mean, I think, again, it should all be taken in 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 a holistic, you know, uh, comprehensive way instead of picking and choosing everything. We should put everything into the pot and stir it up and see what comes out. Sure. And I think that I think the industry themselves want that. I think the industry wants certainty, but they also don't want to be the only thing that Alaska relies on for, to fund our government. And I mean, that's a huge responsibility and it's a huge problem. So any sort of discussion we have with the oil industry on the money that is, uh, you know, supposedly left on the table is going to have to include, um, hey, you're not the only ones. You're not the only people we're going to depend right. on. We're going to look at our other industries, fishing, mining, every other industry, and we're going to diversify and everybody's going to contribute their fair share. I know that sounds kind of pie in the sky and a little bit nebulous, but you know, well, I don't think the oil industry wants to be the only thing that funds Alaska. Well, government. we all know that the oil industry isn't anymore. That may have been true right. 25 years ago, but now they only produce, what, 30% of the overall revenue right. in the state? 25, 30, 33%, something like that. I mean, because most of it's coming from the permanent fund and the earnings draw and everything else. But you're right. We should be taking a look. I mean, I've advocated for years. Why aren't we... Why are we still working on a net profits tax, uh, net profits uh, severance tax for the mining industry? I mean, they're pulling millions of dollars worth of gold out of the ground. Again, a finite resource. And then it's a net profits deal. So they can write you a thing that says, well, yeah, see, we spent every dollar. We really didn't make a profit this year, even though we made a because they got they got they got floors and buildings full of sharp penciled accountants and lawyers that can make you see that they didn't make any money. Why do we? Why haven't we revisited the mining uh, scheme at this point? It 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 makes no sense. Of course, and most of them, you know, I've talked to several of them. I've I've been out and visited a couple of them, and and they, one of the big things that they sell us on, um, sure for access to the land and uh, and roads and all that sort of thing is the, this is going to be really great for Alaska. We're going to pull out however many hundred thousand. Uh, ounces of gold out of this particular area and it's going to be great for alaska okay let's let's figure out how great it is going to be for alaska and, and you know what what kind of revenue you're going to give us for the for the services <clears throat> excuse me you use so well again the, uh, the one thing i was heartened by on this whole thing from the fiscal policy working group was the fact that they said it needed to be a holistic approach i mean everybody agreed it was unanimous from a you know, what you would call probably one of the most diverse groups I've ever seen put together in the legislature. And when they unanimously come together and say, this all needs to be done at once, somebody's got to listen. Because otherwise, what will happen is we'll pick one or two things out and then it won't work. And then we'll be like, well, see, it didn't work. Well, this because you didn't follow the instructions. The instructions were us do everything at once. Right. And, and hats off to JKT. He and I had a had a long discussion one day. Um, you know, I went into it as a full PFD guy. I'm absolutely believe in the full 1982 statutory PFD, and that's that was my focus. And at one point, I don't know, a couple weeks into it, after we had been 
um, going back and forth, JKT called me and he said, you realize that this group is not going to pivot on your idea of the full PFD, Kevin. You realize that you're going to have to compromise. And I did. And, yeah. you know, we had to find a, a middle ground. Yep. So, well, a compromise is when nobody is really happy, uh, but right. it works out. That's where we're at. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, final segment here this morning. Kevin McCabe is our guest, uh, which is normally the shower hour of power, but I can't think of anything that rhymes with McCabe. So I don't, it, it can't be that. It's uh, slim and gorgeous. Uh, slim and gorgeous, yeah. Kevin identifies as slim and gorgeous, which, I mean, I probably should take that moniker as well. Uh, this is Kevin's Corner or something like that. Uh, one hour with Kevin McCabe. Uh, we're finishing up here. Final segment, Kevin. I wanted to give you your, you know, kind of free reign to see, uh, you know, to see, you know, what else you're focusing on uh, with your committees. We just talked about, we talked about education. We talked about, uh, you know, the bonuses. We talked a little bit about defined benefits. We talked about the HJRs and we've talked about the fiscal policy working group. So what is the final thing that you would like to discuss here in this last hour? And we can revisit anything. If you want to go more into defined benefits or whatever else, feel free. What's Kevin focus? What are you laser focused on here in this? Here we are, what, middle of the session. What are you focused on? Well, I think everybody down here is focused on the BSA. So, uh, you know, the minority in the in the Senate, frankly, have been driving this BSA conver uh, conversation. And, uh, you know, I think we all need to pay attention. Our teachers certainly need, and Governor Dunleavy's bills have gone a long way. I, I don't agree with the uh, with Calvin Shragi at all, where he says, well, this is a companion to what we really want to do. Um, I think we need to focus on the BSA. We need to focus on teachers, frankly, teachers and children. Um, right. Well, and when you say, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when we say focus on the BSA, the problem with the BSA is that it prioritizes administrative and overhead because they've written out that, so that there was a statute, a part of a statute in there that said it required that the BSA, 70% of the BSA actually go into the classroom. And that's been pitched to the wayside. So when you say focus on the BSA, shouldn't we maybe open up the BSA and take a look at where the monies are going and maybe refactor it and put that 70% requirement back in? Because this is one of the reasons why we have this you know, the overhead in the administrative, you know, line on the graph is going up and up and up. And yet the enrollment is on the decline, decline, decline. And we're now seeing, what, five administrators for every four teachers? Some places it's worse than right. that. Sometimes it's two for one. And, I mean, shouldn't we be opening up the BSA to look at that instead of just talking about the dollar number that we're putting into it? Absolutely. And teachers need to remember, I mean, the teachers are, are a lot of the people that are saying we need an increase in the BSA, get emails all the time from teachers. What they forget is the BSA, I could increase the BSA $5,000 and it would all go to the school districts. And then the teachers and their unions have to negotiate with that school district to get any increase in pay. I don't want that. So 
uh, if we remember that every $100 increase in the, in the BSA is $27.3 million out of our budget. Um, you know, uh, Representative Ortiz, Dan Ortez rather, would, would, uh, has a bill for $1,250 increase to the BSA. Well, I, for every $100 increase, I want something. Uh, you know, the first $100 increase to the BSA, I would like to see Sarah Vance's bill pass, which mandates that teachers go on the state health care system and do away with this huge conglomerate that doesn't give our teachers the health care that they um, that they need. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of other stuff, one of which is exactly what you're talking about. I'd like to see that formula put back in the uh, in the statute. Um, I'd like to see the 70% uh, of this needs to go uh, to the classroom. I had a discussion with a uh, with the administrator and she said, well, 74% of it does. So I thought, huh. So I got to looking around in the deed site and she's exactly right. They say 74% of it does go to instruction. But when you look up what the definition and what the codes are for instruction, Instruction is uh, includes administration. It includes the buildings that uh, some of our, uh, such as in Mount Edgecombe or Kodiak, where they have uh, they have children that are staying in barracks that came in from the villages. So um, there's a ton of stuff that needs to be put into that or fixed inside that BSA. Uh, Jamie Allard has a plan uh, to form a task force. Uh, um, it would actually be a subcommittee now, a task force during the interim to look into the BSA and find areas where we could um, get the money back to the teacher and the students. Uh, you know, right. last year, every single person that came into my office talking about education and talking about the BSA, they talked about cost of living. They talked about the fact that they haven't had a raise in years. Nobody talked about the kids. Let's talk about the kids. Let's talk about accountability measures that need to go in our in our BSA, if you will, or in our in our funding formula, foundation formula is actually what it's called. Right. The BSA is the output. But let's, let's talk about the accountability measures so that um, and maybe accountability includes a, a full voucher program where uh, backpack funding, uh, if you want to call it that, where the money follows the child. Then right. the accountability comes from the free market. If a child is not being educated the way the parent wants the child to be educated, they vote with their feet and they go somewhere else. And that forces the schools and the school districts and the principals and down all the way to the teacher to provide a decent product to our children. Otherwise, right. their school's going to go away. Well, I mean, that's something that we've advocated on this program for years is that there needs right. to be. And the idea of backpack funding or as they're done in Arizona, you know, these new education yeah. savings accounts. I mean, <clears throat> that is that is the portability that we need. I mean, that's what it I mean, that's what it comes down to. Uh, and we do need some accountability because we've done nothing but throw exponentially ever increasing amounts of money at our education system, 35% increase over the last 19 years. And yet we still have the lowest results in the entire country. I mean, that's that we, you just can't keep throwing money at it and say, that's the solution. Right. And, and we've proven that it's not the solution. We've thrown money at it as uh, Sarah Montalbano says, We've thrown money at it for years. Uh, and, you know, the, they, the teachers show you this pencil graph where the BSA has stayed level and it's got these number two yellow pencils and and it's uh, 
you know, what it fails to take into account is the fact that enrollment has gone down. So actually the revenue per student has actually gone up. Right. And that's, I mean, I know you've said that several times and they, they just <laughs> convincing them the other side, those that want the thousand dollar, $1,200 BSA increase that they um, may not have been told the entire truth. Um, you know, Mark Twain said it best, you know, it's easier to lie to a person than convince them they've been lied to. Well, that's, that's true. I mean, sometimes the facts just don't matter at that point. People right. who are convinced of a certain thing think some facts that don't matter. Well, I'm hoping that with the power that you have in the majority, maybe you can create subcommittees or something that can address this. We need to open up the BSA. We need to look at it. You know, we need to st stop treating like the BSA is the only money the school districts get. That's what I love is that they say, well, we haven't had an increase in education spending in years. Well, let me show you this graph over here. Well, that doesn't matter. I mean, you know, that's the thing. And the fact that even if we do throw more money at it, if we have the same results, that's the definition of insanity. Last 60 seconds, Kevo. I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the uh, uh, the floor here for your final thoughts. Sure, um, you know I have a couple other bills running. The gold and silver bill, which I carried last year, is uh, is moving through the process. That'll be interesting, allowing gold and silver to be used as a um, as legal tender in the state of Alaska, and it's a start down another path, uh, maybe ending up in a state bank like North Dakota has, or a, a gold repository to. Uh, smooth our, our problems, financial problems in the state like Texas has. So there's a number of things that, that I'm interested with that. Um, I filed a, a bill that I'm calling the Janus Bill, which uh, aligns our statute with the Janus Court decision as far as unions are concerned. Right. That's not going to be very popular, but um, it needs to be <laughs> done. We need to get our statutes in line with what, uh, with what the Supreme Court says. Um, so I have a number of things that I'm interested in. Uh, the other one is the direct primary care agreement bill, um, which is also a, a very good for consumers. Um, it Ke restores the... Kevin, I'm sorry. I'm up against it here. Uh, folks, Kevin McCabe's been our guest, The Michael Duke Show. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. All right, so I, I'm sorry, Kevin, direct primary care. Tell me about this. Yeah, so it restores the doctor-patient relationship. It takes the uh, it takes the middleman out, takes the insurance company out of the mix. So you, you would pay um, a, a primary care doctor or, or association such as, and I'll use Capstone. I don't know if I can advertise, but you would pay Capstone, that's my doctor, um, 100 bucks a month. And most of your... You know, if you break your leg or if you need stitches or if you have a cold, you just go in there and it's covered instead of fighting, having a fight with the insurance company or having the doctor or his nurses or his, um, you know, accountants have to fight with the insurance company. It's just covered. Right. And, it, and it, it's uh, sweeping the nation and Alaska needs to get on board with it. Um, you know, if you look at the direct primary care coalition, I think is the website. Very, very interesting. There are many doctors, Sunshine Health Clinic in Talkeetna, Capstone, many of them in Anchorage are very interested in this. And, and it allows doctors and nurses and physicians assistants to actually be doctors and nurses and physicians assistants instead of uh, insurance company coders. You know? Right, exactly. Instead of being the assembly line. We had that doctor on. I don't know if you caught that program here a couple of weeks ago. We had the doctor on that was one of the DPC champions and has been doing it for 10 years. And uh, 
I mean, I'm all about it. I would much rather give my money to them than to an insurance company to get it done. Um, and I, I mean, I would love to see more choices in healthcare. That's the problem is that government continues to narrow our choices in so many things when the answer to the pro and then it creates more problems because they've limited the choices. The, the answer to things that you don't like is more choices. That's really what right. it's about. And so it's, uh, it's good to go. Final thoughts here, Kevin, before I let you go. Right. Well, I appreciate it, Michael. You know, there's uh, there's lots going on down here and uh, the ma uh, majority of the Republicans are working very, very hard for people. And I couldn't be proud, more proud of the team. Um, I enjoy working with uh, Rep Carpenter on Ways and Means. I enjoy working with Tom McKay on resources. Uh, both uh, both guys got a lot of uh, real, um, uh, real smarts when it comes to the committees that they're chairing and and we're doing the best we can for for folks, and and I'm excited. I think we have a good year coming up. Now, if we could just fix the Senate, where are you, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin McCabe, our guest today. Kevin, thanks for all the hard work. I know, uh, I know. There's probably other things you could be doing, but I appreciate you going out there and uh, and being part of it and uh, being part of the solution to this. Thank you for the fight, and uh, we appreciate you coming on to fill in for Mike as well. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Uh, again soon. Thanks for being part of it. All right, sir. Thanks. Have a great day. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, folks, that uh, pretty much wraps for today. Uh, we got uh, more coming up uh, tomorrow on the program. Um, I'm working on some guests. I, I, I can't say. I can't say. It'll be, it'll be somebody good. Or maybe we'll just do phone calls and take, take calls from bad comedians to come in and I mean, or something, or something. Uh, all right, my friends, uh, thanks for uh, coming on board. It's good to talk with you. We will continue tomorrow. Don't forget to check us out uh, on the Common Sense Core. If you haven't, the support from you on Patreon makes a difference on this show. All the new stuff that we did this year, all of it is because of the help of folks from Patreon. And we appreciate you. So if you'd like to support the show for the cost of a cup of coffee a month, three bucks a month, whatever, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. Some of you are, are you know, sponsoring the show, 25 or 50 bucks a month, whatever it is, it's all coming right back into here. Making the show better, putting more coffee in my cup to make me wake up in the morning. And, of course, just helping to support Common Sense Radio. We appreciate you, Common Sense Core members. And, in fact, I just looked. I've got a handful of people who have been supporting the show for five years. And they're about to get a special surprise. And I want to say thank you to them. We'll be naming them up here uh, pretty soon. But if you want to help support the show, patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. All right, we're out of time. Thanks for coming in and joining us. We will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. Be kind. Love one another. Live well.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.